0: We have this turn and talk every week, and it's really turned into something we all look forward to every week, because you don't really get to see everybody, so I I think it's fun that we do that, turn and talk. Hey, if you're over 50, say, oh me or oh my. Oh Oh, me. Me. Only you guys can appreciate this. The the, uh, younger generation won't appreciate this as much. But my mom sent me and my two brothers. My brother always liked the Vikings, so he gets purple. And my other brother liked the Los. How many remember when it was Los Angeles Rams? Which it is again now, isn't it? Uh, he liked the Los Angeles Rams, so he gets blue. And I was St. Louis Cardinals. How many remember when it was St. Louis Cardinals? All right. So we always get red, blue, and purple. Mom got us red, blue, and purple shirts. Here it is, over fifty. You'll appreciate this. It says, I survived the wooden spoon. <laughs> Come on. Come on. How many survivors do we have out there? Oh, yeah. Come on. See, the younger generation don't even know what that is, the, the wooden spoon. I survived. You know how many wooden spoons my mama broke on me? <laughs> you know, I read an article one time that said if you, if you spank children, it hurts their IQ Um, maybe that's what's wrong with me, no, (laughs) no, praise God, praise God, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, turn to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, everybody look up there at the sound booth and say hi to Braden. he is my son-in-law, his mom and dad sat right here, they, there's some Okies that moved up here. And we get to live life together, Larry and Michelle, if you haven't met them. Braden, hats off to you, son, today. Listen to this, you guys. Our vision is to raise up future ministers and, and to, to, so, so we can send them out and plant churches and do things in the world. We want to raise worship pastors and youth pastors and, and pastor pastors. We want to do that. You know, he's the worship leader. Look what he, he, look what he raised up today, and he was in the sound booth. Good. Hats off to you, Braden. That, that is amazing, the worship we had. And you're the worship leader at a church, and, and you wasn't even at, up front. Unbelievable. Thank you, Lord. Father, just bless our church. Bless our workers. Bless those that you are raising up. Bless this word today, Lord. Father, I pray it will get in our heart. And it'll be something that we grow and we learn and we become more like you and we practice it. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered. If you have an insert, you could look at that. Also, if you have your phone, you can go to version and hit events and then hit church on the rock and the notes will be in there, okay? And that way you can add notes and stuff and you can keep them. But Jesus entered Jericho. And and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was just too short. He couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus, he knew, was going to pass that way. This man, Zacchaeus, he's only mentioned three times in the Bible. You see him mentioned in Luke 19, 2, and then you see him mentioned in Luke 19, 8. And uh, his name ironically means, and you're going to see here in a minute why ironically, but his name in the Hebrew ironically means pure, means pure and holy. But uh, his occupation was a tax collector. And an important fact about his life is he was a very, very dishonest tax collector that met Jesus up in a sycamore tree. What a way to come to Jesus, amen? He was very rich. He was very rich, but he came up short. How many people you know that may seem rich in this world, but they come up short in the things of the Spirit? He was very rich in this world. He was very wealthy, but he wasn't happy. He seemed to have a large and a prospering and a successful business. I mean, he was a very rich man, a successful successful business. But inevitably, he was lonely. He was lonely, he had chosen a way, and he had conducted his life in a way that kind of made him an outcast where people didn't want to be around him. I think, possibly, how many believe that every word in the Bible, it's there for a reason? I think it's amazing that it talks about how he was a short man in stature, how he was a little man. How many remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man? And a wee little man was he. How many remember that growing up singing that? He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. All right? So uh, there's no detail that's unimportant. I wonder today if he had some word wounds. If he was a short in stature and maybe he had bullied or made fun of or, or taken advantage of as a kid growing up. How many ever been bullied at school? I, re- I remember people, uh, uh, Megan Kelly said one time that when, when, when people attack her very, real strong, she almost freezes and goes in I- and almost shuts down in paralyzation because she remembers being bullied as a child. So I, I believe that's thrown in there that maybe he had some word wounds uh, because scripture has all reasons. And uh, he heard that Jesus was a person who would accept people. That he would welcome people. That he welcomed tax collectors. And that he was known to eat and and visit with sinners. And he wondered if he would take time for him. Zacchaeus had a curiosity. Zacchaeus had a curiosity. He he wasn't satisfied in life. He was thinking there was something more. He, He had so much, but he was empty. He was curious. He was searching. He was looking. He was despised and hated by all men and women and was kind of a lonely guy but what he was looking about looking for was the love of God but I want you to notice in Luke 19 verse 5 through 7 the Bible says that Jesus stopped everybody say stopped Jesus stopped when Jesus came by he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name if you'd underline that in your scripture he called him by name Zacchaeus he said And I think it's kind of amazing how he knew his name, but Jesus knows all things. There's a word of knowledge. So we see that Jesus was even moving in the gifts of the Spirit. How many know that when we go out and be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus, how many know we need to move in the gifts of the Spirit? He was able to call people by name. Other places in Scripture, it says Jesus perceived and he knew what they were thinking. Another place in Scripture, he says, I saw you by a, a juniper tree today. Okay, so so Jesus had that word of knowledge he flowed in the gifts of the spirit to where people were like, "Wow, how do he you know that? I need to listen to this guy. There's something different and supernatural about him. We need the gifts flowing in our church. We need the gifts flowing in our people." Jesus called him by name, "Zacchaeus, come down quickly. I must be I think this is interesting. I must be a guest in your home today." Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house. Look at this, with great excitement and joy. I want you to think about that. Jesus talks to a notorious sinner, never met him, meeting him for the first time, calls him by name, invites himself to his house. I'm coming to your house today. And this guy was excited and joyful about that. I want you to think about that. But the people were displeased, church people. Uh, he has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, and they grumbled about that. But I want you to look at that first part. He looked up and he saw him. People with active faith always get the attention of God. Zacchaeus was a person that had active faith. Uh, even when Jesus was pressing through the crowds and, and, and everybody was pushing in on him where he could barely walk through the crowds, uh, kind of like a Wrigley game after uh, when you're going out after the cubs have won and we're pressing through getting out and jesus says who touched me and the disciples like man everybody's touching you it's it's crowded around here but but when people touch him with faith is when they reach out with a curiosity and with a faith and with a wanting a change in life and something to happen inside jesus can pick up on that sort of thing if you're here today and you want to change if you're here today and you have a hurt or a word wound or, or you have something in your life that's got to change its make or break for you, if you can put some active faith in, and have that faith that climbs up into a sycamore tree and, 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 and or that has that faith that, that's a hymn woman that reaches through when all the doctors told her there was no more help that reached through and through faith touched Jesus <coughs> and he said, who touched me? And they said, what do you mean who touched you? everybody, everybody's touching you, excuse me, everybody's touching you. And he said, no, I felt power depart or come out of me. Brothers and sisters, when I pray for people, when I counsel with people, when I go and see people, when I go have lunch with people that are searching or looking for help or something, I can tell in two seconds if they're going to get help or not. I can tell if, they're, if their faith and, the, and where they're at in life, are they to that point where they really want the change? Are they really to have active faith and to partner with God and to see this amazing change in their life? Jesus could sense that. I'm asking you today, can he sense that about you? Are you to that place of desperation to where you've got to call out upon the name of the Lord? He is there and he look up and he will see you. Jesus' head was always on a spindle. I love saying that at Church on the Rock. His head was always on a spindle. When he walked around, he always was looking for the person that was sitting by themselves. He was always looking for the person. Uh, I, I, can, I can tell when a person walks through the room. Uh, the, the, the other day, somebody walked through the room and the Lord said, get up and follow them. Get up and follow them because I knew something was going on in their life. God wants all of us as people to be able to be sensitive and discerning to the world that we live in. And not just walk around carelessly and insensitive. Our head needs to be on the spindle. Who's hurting? Who needs help? Who needs encouragement? Even at church, uh, uh, um, when you look around, who have you not seen sitting by you in a few weeks? Does that prompt you to call him? Does it prompt you to do something? Jesus was a person that saw. He stopped. His head was always on a spindle, uh, uh, and he was always ready. The scripture says that we are his workmanship in Ephesians two ten in the NIV. This you need to add to your uh, to your notes. But it says we are his workmanship created. We were created in Christ Jesus. Everybody say this to do good works. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works are y'all with me well i was created to be a family man i was created to be a father i was created to be a businessman i was created to be an athlete scripture says that we were created of god to do good works to do these good works which god prepared in advance for us to do you know we're god's creation to do good works in this world We're uniquely, we're perfectly designed by God with his thoughts, his plans, his purposes in our heart. And we're specifically and uniquely made to carry out God's purposes in this world. How many know that God's waiting for us to carry out his purposes? Amen. So our head needs to be on that spindle. He didn't pass him by. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus didn't just walk by. Remember the Good Samaritan? Jesus told a story. There was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho in Luke 10, 30-35. He was attacked by a bunch of bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and left him dead on the side of the road. By chance, a Pastor Brian came along. By chance, a Pastor Hybel came along. By, by chance, you, you, you talk about a priest that you know our pastor. By chance, a pastor came along. But, but when Pastor Brian saw him lying there, I was too busy that day. And I'd lost my heart and care for people. And I was professional now. You know how I many? We got too many professional pastors. I was too professional and I had too much going on that you know what? I walked down the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a temple assistant. A temple system, if you look that up in the Greek, it means it, it means a Levite. A Levite was a, a leader or a person that took care of the house of God. How many of you people are very involved are involved at church? You're involved in the operations of church. You're, you're involved in the leadership of church. Well, these people walked over, looked at him lying there, but you know, they kind of passed him by too. Then a despised Samaritan came along when he saw the man. We're talking about Jesus sees. We need to see. We need to not pass by. When they saw the man, he felt compassion for him. How many of you feel compassion for people? How many, are, how many really, seriously, how many of you feel compassion for people? I'm 30 years into this. And I believe that vision and passion, I believe that vision and passion are birthed in prayer. I believe that that, that those that, that, that vision for the church and vision for life, you're going to find it on your knees in prayer. And the other thing that you're going to find only in prayer is where it's birthed is passion. Passion, zeal, motivation, will to do. It, it's born in prayer, but vision and passion are birthed in prayer and only maintained by prayer. I can tell you that I'm 30 years being a, a full-time vocational pastor. Uh, I hit, I, I'm 30 years doing it. And I care more about people today than I ever have. I'm not saying that to brag, but it's because I keep my passion fire. I ask for the Lord, give me eyes to see like you see. Give me ears to hear like you hear. Give me a heart to feel like you feel. Don't ever let me become a professional pastor that sticks this muck smile on his face that says, I love you and I'm going to pray for you. And he don't say two words of prayer for you and he doesn't love you. Let's be real in who we say we are and real in who we say, real in what we do. Are you all with me? We've got enough fake in this world, if you know what I mean. How many know that we need to be a true church and not a fake church? This Samaritan truly had compassion. And if I remember, guys, I remember going through as being a vocational pastor when your passion meter goes down, and I'm like, Lord, I don't care. I don't care about people. They irritate me right now. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not motivated. Um, I, 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 when I do that, I just go to the Lord and say, Lord, you have to burn in my heart to love people again. Do you know if your love is dead in your marriage? Do you know you can pray and it can come alive again? you know if you look at your wife and you say, I don't love her anymore, she don't turn me on? God can change that. If you look at your husband and say, I don't love him anymore, he doesn't turn me on anymore. God can change that about him. If you get to where you're unsympathetic to people and you don't care anymore and you're numb to the things of this, to the needs and hurts of people, God can reinvigorate. He can re excite you. He can refuel you. He can recharge you. Are you all with me today? It comes in prayer. So, this Samaritan, he really did, he really did. He really did have compassion on him. And then he soothed his wounds with olive oil. Olive oil is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So what that happened is he healed his wounds with the Holy Spirit. How many know when we, Rachel, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me? For he has anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captive. To bring healing to those that are, that, are, that are not healed. To proclaim liberty to those that are in captivity, To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. There's an anointing on you. There's an oil on you. You know, when people say oil, let's keep it simple. When people say, Pastor Brian's anointed. Or thus and so's anointed. When they pray for me, I feel it from my head down to my toe. When they, something happens, there's something real and it's alive when they do it. They're anointed. Anybody ever heard that term? Anointed simply means that you've been rubbing with Jesus. You've been rubbing with Jesus. You've been hanging out with Jesus. You've been meditating with Jesus. You've been in close, intimate relationship with Him. To where when you go to others, when you touch them, that anointing is released because you've been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. But but this guy he had oil to he had oil to to take care of his wounds. And I want you to change that from physical to spiritual wounds. As we go and minister as God's army, we have oil to heal the spiritual wounds. And we also have wine. Wine always is symbolic of love. So you have oil, you have the spirit and you have love and that bandaged him up. Then he put him on the donkey and took him to the inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he handed some money to the innkeeper, said, "Uh, take care of him. I I bet he would said, don't tell the guy he's being taken care of. How many of you have to tell everybody what you're doing? So you get your reward and you get your claps. we got to get to where we don't care if anybody sees what we're doing. We do it for the Lord. I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus called him. So he didn't pass him by. He stopped. He saw him. He didn't pass him by. Jesus called him by name. He was a person. He was a person that was showed res- that was given and showed respect. I think sometimes as Christians we can get to a point where we are condescending. Where we think we're all that in our faith walk because we've been doing it so long. This he was a person that showed respect. And and he called him by name. You know what the you know what the town called him? The tax collector. The cheater. The, the, the jerk. They called him all kinds of stuff. And they may not have even known his name. Because he was a notorious. The scripture says he was a notorious sinner. So they had labeled him cheater. Somebody I don't like. Jerk. You, you, you name it. Tax collector. What label was on you before you came to Christ? cheap anger angry what label did you wear what label have people labeled you town drunk person on heroin somebody that never can hold down a job what what label have people put on you jesus is in the label breaking business jesus called him by name And I think it's ironic that his name means pure. When everybody labeled him as unpure, unsympathetic, a cheater, and a liar, and somebody that took advantage of them, he didn't have any friends because of this label. But Jesus didn't call him what he was labeled, Jesus called him Zacchaeus, and it was prophetic to say, son, you are a pure man when you receive and accept me and follow my ways. So Jesus called him what he was going to be. You know, as Christians, we've got to have the ability to not see people for what they are, but what they're going to be. Amen. One time the Lord spoke to me and he said, Brian, I'm going to give you a word of knowledge. I'm going to give you a gift where you can read people's books. I even asked for that gift to be turned off sometimes because I need to rest. Sometimes i'm like I, so I, sometimes I do that sometimes I say lord I, I, I turn off the my gifts, right the gifts of the spirit I, I I need to turn them on off for a minute. I need to rest because my spirit is always picking stuff up and 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 but word of knowledge I, I can see i can I can see, I can see in hearts i can i can I, I can see fights." That you had before you got to church. And I can see things that you do in secret. and, and But you know when I see those things. It isn't for me to go. Whish, 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 label you. Label you, oh, you. Lord you're kidding me. They're that, they did that? Holy smoke. And the, no. God said Brian. I want to reveal things to you. If you will be a deliverer. And not a judge. How many want to be a deliverer for the Lord, and not a judge? I'm not here to judge. Jesus called him. Jesus invited Himself to His home. Sometimes I think. Sometimes I think. uh, Sometimes I think we are too careful, and we're and we're not bold enough. And I think it's because we're not sure enough. I think that's bold just to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I don't know you, but I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. But, but I, I think God wants us to be a little more, to get out there a little bit more. The staff always ask me, they say, Pastor Brian, how come everybody tells you everything? You, you, you know stuff. And I don't tell them, we talked about that last week. Being staff does not entitle me to tell the staff your business. So if I'm not entitled to do that, then you aren't entitled to do it. I, I, you're not entitled, we're not, nobody's entitled to talk about each other, period. Oh, but you need to be in the know, pastor. You need to know about that low down Jeff and what he's doing to his, his wife Shelly. and You need to tell the whole staff so we can be on alert for him. Glory to God. All right. No. No. I think sometimes being the no is being the gossip. All right. We, God's in the no. All right. But um, um, how, how, do, how do you know that? They ask. And I was just say, like, I ask them. I ask them. I think God, I think God wants us to be more bold. And saying things, I want, hey, I'm going to your house today. I think God wants us to be more bold to say, I notice you're not feeling very well. Is everything okay? To me, that's like I'm going to your house today. Everybody with me? To me, that's like I'm going to your house. How many say that? I don't do that currently. I, I want that that's getting out there for you. That's that's like Jesus I'm going to your house today. You know. When you walked in, you just been on my heart that something's wrong between you and your wife. Everything okay? Well, not really. Then they tell you, I'm going to your house today. Were you? I think God wants us to be a little bit bolder with that sort of thing. How do they tell you things? I ask them. I'll tell you what he doesn't want is he doesn't want people to, to walk through the doors and you go, are you born again? Are you born again? He doesn't want people walking through the door. Are you filled with spirit? Do you speak in tongues? That's, That's belligerent. It's pushy. It's not attractive at all. And it pushes people away from the kingdom instead of drawing them to the kingdom. I'm not telling you to be belligerent. I'm not telling you to be pushy. I'm not telling you. But I am saying people can tell how many saw that football coach? Help me out. Who played Memphis State? Anybody watch college football? Who played Memphis State? Um, none of you guys know that? Doug, who played <laughs> Memphis State? Uh, UFT, he's gonna go be um, Oklahoma's new coach, or Nebraska, he's gonna go coach a big. You don't care? <laughs> huh? Huh? yeah let's just make up a name (laughs) there was this college football coach and they were all the people were talking they were like how did he have the support of the team that just went 12 and 0 and all the tv cameras and the fake news wanted to i love saying that it's about time and, and to, to where all the, the TV crews and they were, wanting to, they were wanting to know, they were wanting to know, so when are you going to this Nebraska or wherever it is? And he was like, can you guys just give me a moment to be with my team and to enjoy this celebration? But they were talking about they never had seen a coach that had his team and he was going out the door And they said this, it says because they know, they know that coach really cares about him. And that they know that coach is one of them. And they know that that coach is sympathetic to him. And when he said, could you all just let me enjoy this time with my team? I don't want to talk about that promotion. I think that's the way we get to people is not by being pushy and belligerent. So we can go tell everybody how many people we witness to by being belligerent and pushing the kingdom away from them. But ask the questions because you truly care. Ask the questions because you're truly sympathetic. Ask the questions because you truly want to be there to help them. I think that's how you can get by with asking the questions. You're sensitive, you're caring, and you're interested The man was so excited to have him in his home. This will be true with you. When you you press through the walls that people have up and the the hearts that are covered up, when you press through, church, that God wants us to do, to where you say, I'm going to your house, you're you're, you're pressing through, you're, you're getting there, that person is very excited that you ask them. They're very excited about that. Jesus was going to this home. The religious bunch didn't like that too much. I want to spend just a minute on that, on Jesus went to his home. In talking about witnessing, when I first came to be a born-again Christian, I spent like nine months of going and getting drunk, chasing the skirts, fighting, and living like a wild man. But there was a draw on my heart and I'd go to the Methodist church and I'd tell the pastor I wanted to be right with God and I would make it three days to three weeks on trying to live clean, but then I'd be back to it and then I'd be back to living dirty and then I'd be back to the clean. I went nine months of the back and forth. When I finally made up my mind for the Lord, listen to me. Some of you can't go to the sinner's house yet. You all with me? When I first got born again, I couldn't go to the sinner's house. I I couldn't go be with that familiar girl, or I would do that familiar thing. I couldn't go be with my familiar friends, or I would be doing that familiar thing again. Are you all with me? I cut myself off in three months of Bible college. And when I came back, I didn't talk to my friends for like 18 months, two years. But when I came back, I could go be with the sinner and not be the sinner. So, so when you're going, when you're witnessing, you guys have to be the gauge on if you can be in certain circles or in certain places. Are you all with me? But how many know, listen, how many know that we need to be where the people are that are without Christ. I, I hope we get to a place. Where, where some of you people come and say. You aren't going to believe. Where I saw Jose and Marta at the other night. <laughs> Pastor. You aren't going to believe it. Maybe they were there being a friend of the sinner. I think we need to get to a place. Where we're where they're at. I think we need to get to a place. Where we can ask questions because we're, we're sensitive and we're caring and we're interested and I think we have to get to a point where we, we, we know when to go and when not to go. So on that first point we, we see that Jesus stopped. He looked up and saw him. He didn't pass him by. He called him by name. He invited himself to his home. Now let's pick it up here. When Jesus got to Zacchaeus's home, I think this is cool. How many know that Jesus said this? How many know that Jesus said, birds have nest? How's that go? Birds have nest, Foxes have holes. But where is the Son of Man going to lay his head? Now, I didn't do a big study in this. I'll be honest with you. I didn't do a big study in this. But I just kind of figured Jesus didn't have a home. I don't know. Am I wrong in that? I mean, ask Craig or somebody like that but that, that studies that kind of stuff, but I just always kind of figured that Jesus didn't have a home. Um, he didn't have a home. I don't know if he had a home. I kind of just figured if he had a home, I'm sorry I'm preaching untruth. <laughs> I'll just say I think he doesn't have a home. But um, I, I think he doesn't have a home. And so he went, he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your home, but To me, when I read that, he was like, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your home. To me, it was like I'm going to your home physically, but I'm also going to your home spiritually. That's why I felt the Lord saying, I'm going to your home. I'm coming to live with you. I'm going to your physical home, but look at Acts 7, 48 and 49. It says, However, the Most High does not live in houses made with human hands. As the prophet says... Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Jesus not only went to Jesus' earthly home, he made residence in his spiritual home. And I think that's cool. When that happened, Zacchaeus had an encounter. I want you to think about the encounter at that house. Of Jesus coming to the house, physically and then spiritually. That man was never the same after that. Look at Luke 19.8. This blows my mind. Luke 19.8. This blows my mind. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus, in other words, they were hanging out at the home. Zacchaeus stood up before Jesus and said this. I will give half my wealth to the poor. That just blew my mind. Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll not only give it back, I'll do four times as much. Brothers and sisters, I always ask people, have you truly had an encounter with God? That needs to be something that everyone can answer, yes, I have, and you remember when that is. Because an encounter with God truly changes you inside out. It's it's supernatural. You you know, I grew up Methodist with the confirmation classes and stuff. You can have a born-again experience in a confirmation class. As truth is being taught. In fact, my dad is a Methodist pastor, and he uses confirmation, and they have real, radical God encounters and salvation experiences. In that, because the letter's dead, but the Spirit brings life to things, and they have true conversions by that vehicle. So that can be a great vehicle. But, um, but, but, but the change that happens. He was changed from a greedy person to a generous person. He gave half his wealth to the poor. People that have a God encounter, I find myself saying to them, people that I, I started thinking about this with people even at church on the rock that I when I see you get when I see people get born again, something happens where you get generous. Where you get happy, in fact, coming up and saying, Well, now it's time for the morning tide. You're not, like, oh gosh, they're talking about money again and blah blah blah. A person that truly has an encounter with God, they become very generous. They, they like, want to help everybody. When I got born again, I wanted to help everybody. I, I wanted to save everybody. I, 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 any, I couldn't, my wife still doesn't give me money because I give it away. i never see my paycheck because, but, I, I'm not an allowance, guys, seriously. No. Well, seriously, I am. Um, yeah. She, she knows I'd give the farm away. So, isn't it funny how generous you get? People that... I remember a guy that had quite a bit. He, he, uh, he moved to Florida. I'll tell you who it is. Jim Buchanan. Amazing guy. When he got born again, he became so generous. To where I had to go up... I hope Jim listens to this because it's, it's a wonderful testimony to him. Where I'd have to go up and say, Jim... You can't give to everybody. Everybody'd start go telling their stories and he would just help everybody. And I said, Jim, you got to get where you ask God who you're supposed to give to and who you're because he was just so generous. He was so generous. The other thing that Zacchaeus did when he had his encounter with God is he made things right. When you encounter God, there'll be something in you where you want to do right, but it'll also be where you want to go make things right. That you screwed up. You screwed it up. I wanna go make things right. Something I'm very, very ashamed of, very ashamed of, is I bullied someone before I was a Christian. He wore makeup to school and had earrings on. And that's where that TV, that's where that song came out. I want my MTV. How many remembers that? And it goes, that little. Blank, blank with the earrings and his makeup. Yeah, buddy, that's his own hair. And and I was singing that song, and all the guys, we we were like making fun of people. Oh, I hate that Brian. My wife said, I never married that Brian. I hate that old man. I hate the old Brian. But I grabbed this guy and stuck him in a urinal and flushed it. And he came out of there, true story, and he said, Garfield, I got a 38 waiting for you. You're dead after school. And everybody jumped him. Well, actually, I went up and popped him. Just popped him. And then they jumped him, took him, got the police, found an unregistered 38 in his truck, hauled him off his senior year, hauled him off to a mental place, juvie place, Before he left, we were having football practice, and I remember that Ford pickup coming up, and I remembered him saying he was going to kill me, and I was like, yeah, right, you're going to kill me. Bring it on. That's the way I was. I'm right in the middle of football practice, take off running, pull my helmet off and start beating the hood of that truck, and he's sticking it in reverse, getting away and all that. About seven years later, I see him at Walmart. And I just started weeping. And I ran up to him and I said, David, I'm so sorry for what I did to you in high school. I'm so sorry for that. I'm so ashamed of that. And I asked you to forgive me. It <clears throat> still bothers me today. I asked you to forgive me. I got to lead him to the Lord right at the pharmacy in Walmart. Got to lead him to the Lord. He was heavily on drugs. Got to help him out of drugs. Guys, he became our bus pastor. And picked up more kids for Jesus than any church I've ever been a part of. Because you got to make things right. Lose your life. Use your life to seek out the lost. To see the hurting, the curious, the empty. To stop and listen. And to save people. You are, oh, I skipped the part. Salvation has come home today. Luke 19, 9. Jesus responds. Salvation has come home today. For this man has shown himself. For the Son of Man came to seek those who are lost. And to me, we need to carry that with Jesus. We need to seek out the lost. We need to see the hurting, the curious, and the empty. We need to stop and listen and we can save them. I almost didn't write it that way because I know people will say, well, we can't save nobody. Don't you think I know that? We, we know God saves him, but he uses you to do it. You, you can. You can save people. You're God's plan to bring salvation to the world. And you know what? He doesn't have a backup plan. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13 and 15, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless they're sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Brothers and sisters, you are God's messengers, and you are a beautiful sight to people that are in bondage, that are hurting, that are sad, that are depressed. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? As the musicians are coming, what can I do? I want to be Jesus' hands and feet. I want to be his mouth to the world. What can I do? Let me give you some simple things you can do. Invite people to the Christmas Eve service. Seriously, invite people to the Christmas Eve service. That day and Resurrection Sunday is two days that the people you invite, they will say yes. Are you all with me? They will say yes. I want to teach you a little bit on about scripture i want you this is i'm throwing this in but i'm feeling the holy spirit say you show them how to do this brian on the people you invite turn to second corinthians 4 don't don't invite them till you do this don't invite people till you do this don't invite people till you do this look at second corinthians chapter 4 It says this, if the good news, this is verse 3, 2 Corinthians 4, 3. Don't invite until you do this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden from the people who are perishing. Look at this. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of these people who don't believe. They are unable to. Everybody say unable. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message. Everybody say they're unable. And they don't understand. They don't understand. They, they don't understand this message about Christ who is exalted exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching ourselves. We preach Jesus as Lord and that we are his servants. God said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so that we could know. The scripture says they can't know. The scripture says they can't see. But God said, let there be light in darkness and he can make light shine in hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus We now have this light shining in our heart. Brothers and sisters, when you pray, you stand on that scripture and the people that you're calling out their names, you say, Lord, they can't see their eyes are blinded by the God of this world. He has them blinded. They can't see, Lord, they can't understand if they come to church and they come into this, this, that's why I pray for this church before I preach, I always pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you'll understand the hope of our calling and That we'll have wisdom and revelation when the word's preached to where it's illuminated and we're actually changed by the word of God. Brothers and sisters, when these people come in, you need to be on your knees praying that the God of this world that's blinded their eyes, that he would be cast down and cast out of them life, and that their eyes will see, and that their ears will hear, and that their hearts will be enlightened, and the darkness flees, and we snatch them out of the pits of hell, and we start. Populating them into heaven. But there's a prayer to be made. There's a prayer to be made. There's a, there's, a, there's a preparation of the ground. Then you sow the seed. Will you go to Christmas Eve service? Sorry man, I, I'm passionate about that. Will you go to Christmas Eve service? Yeah. And you know what? When they get here, and I already know what I'm preaching you everyone needs a savior when they're here they're going to see I need a savior and they're going to understand that Jesus is their savior and let's say it right now my friends and my family and the people that we invite are going to be say it louder saved saved, what can we do You can pray that prayer and bring people. You know my heart. I'm not trying to get a big service. I'm trying to get a big debt saving, whoever, yeah. Sign up in the foyer to go to Jewel after church. Show your kids. My granny used to take me to the nursing home every Saturday and taught me to have compassion for the elderly and respect. It's still with me today. Take your kids and show them how to care about the poor and the needy. Go with them. Bring your kids and fill up the boxes. Staff shouldn't be filling up the boxes. Bring your kids and fill up the boxes. Be the feet of good news to take those boxes. Guys, we, I want to give over 100 boxes away this year. Turn in names of people that need boxes. Have your head on a spindle ready to go. William Booth said this. I close. <laughs> Make sure we're on the same key, guys. Praise the Lord. William Booth said this. When he said this, it was right, he was 83 years old. I feel led to say this. He was 83 years old. He was blind, almost completely in his left eye, and had cataracts where he couldn't see out of his right eye. Same as blind. Then they came and surgically removed his eye, and the cataracts, they said he couldn't see anything. William Booth couldn't see anything. He couldn't do much. But he said this at 83 years old, just months before his funeral. He said this. While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there's still a drunkard left... While there's still a poor, lost girl on the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight, I'll fight, till the very end. As you stand under our feet today, may that be the cry of this church. As there's long as long as there, I want you to think of your poor, lost soul that needs Christ. I want you to think about people in your life. I want you to think about the poor and the needy we're trying to feed this year, this week. And here's something, Church on the Rock, we're not just going to feed people at Christmas and Thanksgiving. We're going to feed them January, February, March, April, May, and not just be that generous Christian giver. Then where are you the rest of the time? We're going to keep it going. We're going to keep it going. There are things opening up at Church on the Rock like you wouldn't believe ministry opportunities in 2018 but i need a church and i need a people that'll have compassion that'll care about the hurting and the needy that'll be sympathetic and ready to go that won't pass people by that their heads will be on a spindle and they're looking they're always ready to be jesus hands and feet and mouth they're always ready to pour the holy spirit to wound the heart and the wine of God's love to each and individual. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed, and eyes closed, who here today that you need ministered to, that your life is unraveled, that you're away from God, that you don't have peace, that you're the one sitting in darkness and blindness, and you're labeled a drug addict or you're labeled this that or the other and, and you label yourself because you think there's no way out jesus sees you today jesus calls you by name jesus set this service up so you couldn't find him today church what church person is here that says i need compassion i need to move with compassion We're going to have a last song. There's going to be four people come up and they're going to stand right here. If you need prayer for anything, anything, you want to come to Christ, you want prayer over a situation, anything, there's people that will pray with you right here. And then over on the sides, if you just want to come forward and just spend some alone time with the Lord, you can do that. And finally, you can take the Lord's communion today. And Father, we lift the bread and we give thanks for the bread. And we thank you that this is life and this is sustenance and this is health and this is healing. And when I eat this bread, I never hunger again. Thank you for your bread. And I take and I eat. And then I say, Jesus, thank you for the new covenant in your blood. Thank you that your blood washes me white as snow. Thank you that your blood settles the righteous requirements of the law and satisfies the justice of God and I can say I'm righteous and clean and holy and perfected in you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. I drink of it. Our communion is open. You can come and take it. You can be prayed for. But this service is dismissed in the name of Jesus. God bless you.